Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Gregory Gorgas. Uh, he's the president and CEO of Artello Biosciences. The website is A-R-T-E-L-O-B-I-O.com. And we're going to be talking about uh, modulating the endocannabinoid system, which uh, we'll get into. So, Greg, thanks for coming. Well, it's a great to be with you today, Rich. Yeah, so what is the uh, endocannabinoid system in people? What does it do? And, uh, you know, cannabinoid sounds related to uh, hemp and or, you know, marijuana. So uh, let me know. Absolutely. Uh, happy to answer that question. And, in fact, it, even though I had 30 years of biopharmaceutical drug development before initiating or, or starting Artello, it was a new term to me. I'd obviously heard of cannabis or cannabinoids, but really understanding this endocannabinoid system was a new field for me. And that's part of the excitement that I had actually in, in helping found the company. Because you and I were born with an endocannabinoid system. Our endocannabinoid system uh, presumably has been functioning well for us. And when I read a quote that the NIH uh, said in 2013 that this modulation of this endocannabinoid system could affect uh, a wide range of diseases. And when I read the extensive list of that wide range, of, I was so impressed and I said, there's a treasure trove of drug development opportunity based upon modulation. In fact, I put their quote up on our website. It was so seminal. This endocannabinoid system is a family of receptors and neurotransmitters that uh, form a biochemical communication network throughout your body and do regulate things uh, such as uh, sleep. It has impact on fertility, uh, some immune functions, and, um, and, and regulates a lot of biological processes, including impact on anxiety and things of that nature. So I, I really thought there's a drug development opportunity here. It's an untapped potential, and I became very enthusiastic about modulating this endo. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What, what modulates it preferentially? Um, you know, naturally, what do we encounter that modulates the system? What kind of substances well, or foods? I appreciate you bringing that up, Rich. So this, uh, this endocannabinoid system was first identified by Dr. Raphael Meshulam out of Israel about three decades ago. And what he was trying to find out is uh, on, on when someone ingests cannabis or takes, uh, partakes in cannabis, what receptors are being affected in, in the body. And so when he found these receptors, uh, that what led him to discover this powerful system throughout the body. But that system did not exist originally uh, for cannabis. Um, that system exists because your body makes its own self-made chemicals. We call them endocannabinoids, self-made cannabinoids, that target these receptors of the endocannabinoid. It just so happens that the plant mimics what your body already makes and can exogenously or from outside the body affect what your body's trying to do for itself. It makes sense. Okay. I mean, I guess that's a common mechanism. That's how um, viruses and bacteria and foods and plants and all that affect people or other creatures. So they, uh, you know, they somehow know that. Well, it's so not. What, 
not unusual to think that something taken in from outside the body would affect one of the body's natural systems. In fact, um, um, that's, that's exactly uh, what's happening. And so we call it the endocannabinoid system, partly because Dr. Mishulam was thinking about where does cannabis uh, or, or cannabinoids, these chemicals that come out of cannabis, target throughout the body. But it was then discovered that your body makes its own self-made cannabinoid. Well, under what physiological circumstances does your body make you know, the endocannabinoids, and when they do hit the receptors, what, do they, what does that do for you? Well, uh, again, it's a, it's a communication, it's a powerful communication system throughout your body, and it's usually as a response to uh, inflammation or stress, anxiety, or some, uh, uh, some external stimulus that is um, for which our body would naturally uh, want to have a defense against or, 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 or address in some positive way, and that's the body's own, own system that would address that. Sometimes that system gets overwhelmed, and that's where we think about um, delivering a chemical from outside the body to assist the body in dealing with that, um, that stress or, or stimulus that's, that's outside the body. The unique aspect about our company, uh, our telebiosciences, is that we are a full-spectrum endocannabinoid modulation company, meaning that when I went out to learn about this system, I found that researchers, well-reputable researchers from uh, universities and uh, places throughout the world, um, were targeting three ways to modulate this endocannabinoid health, and that was to deliver naturally occurring cannabinoids or chemicals can come from, and that would be one that everybody would sort of easily uh, put their mind around and understand. But the pharmaceutical industry has been making chemicals uh, for many, many years that that can either mimic or can target the receptors of the endocannabinoid. And third, there are ways through protein inhibition to uh, regulate exactly what your body's doing, um, and perhaps maybe efficiently in certain circumstances. And we are the only company, to my knowledge, that has a naturally occurring cannabinoid development program, a synthetic or small molecule that is rationally designed that targets the end of uh, the receptors and a protein inhibitor called a fatty acid binding protein 5 inhibitor that helps regulate and modulate lipid signal and, and regulate endocannabinoid. Well, how many different uh, cannabinoids are there and what's the difference in function if one binds versus another? Well, um, you know, uh, the, the, when we look at the uh, endocannabinoid system and in a very simplistic way, I'll, I'll just share that you can think of an on switch or an off switch or an agonist or an antagonist uh, receptors. And there are um, well over 100 different I, uh, chemicals that have been identified out of the cannabis plant. There's in some reports 113, and that's oftentimes a number that's quoted on the Internet, but some have said yet. Uh, that to be discovered or well characterized, but there may be as uh, up to 600 different uh, chemicals that can be identified out of the cannabis. Principally, when we think about therapeutics today, there, we're thinking about two chemicals outside uh, uh, outside the body, and that's cannabidiol, or it's commonly, or uh, THC, and those are two chemicals that have been identified out of the cannabis plant. Internally to the body, the endocannabinoids, the two principal ones, are anandamide and 2-AG, and these two uh, chemicals are analogous to THC. Right. What happens if you take uh, CBD or if you take what's supposedly a full-spectrum you know, type product? Are they really full-spectrum according to like your testing, which you've seen out there? And uh, you know, depending on the mix of uh, endocannabinoids that you provide to somebody, you know, through small molecules or you know, through natural products, what, what can you modulate? What, 
what is it your goal to modulate? Are you coming out with a suite of products for certain purposes? Yeah, I appreciate that, Rich. So again, we have three programs in development, and I can't uh, necessarily speak to the, uh, to the development programs that others have, but I'm very familiar with ours. So if I, if I might share with you, we, we make um, uh, we, one of our programs is a small molecule that was originally identified at AstraZeneca through a screen of about 75,000 compounds. And this is um, in mechanism very similar to THC in that it is believed to be responsible for it as an agonist, as a full agonist to the CB1 and receptors, the main receptors. And as a full agonist, um, and, and by the way, THC is a partial agonist, as a full agonist, it wouldn't be surprising that uh, we have a tremendous appetite stimulation observed uh, with, with our drug. And it's been in five phase one studies, 200 unregulated drug development studies. And so we know the profile of the drug. So we, we know that it has a profound impact on appetite stimulant. But the beauty of our drug, as opposed to THC, is that it does not uh, target the receptor in the brain. It avoids the central. And so you avoid the euphoria or the high. And I'm not speaking about uh, where there might be an attraction to THC from the recreational standpoint, but certainly from the medicinal uh, perspective, if you're looking to stimulate appetite and you want to avoid the euphoria or the high while you're sick and undergoing cancer, then in fact, uh, the profile of our drug would be uh, considered superior because you can get all the medicinal benefit, let's say, for appetite stimulation uh, from the gut region uh, to stimulate appetite below the neck and not the psychoactivity above the neck. So that would be one compare or contrast that we would have with our compound versus something that's isolated or extracted uh, from the cannabis plant. And so real elegant opportunity, I would say, from our telebioscience for that condition. And where we're applying that, I might just continue to, to add, where we're applying that is where we a big unmet need with anorexia cancer. I don't know if you know this, but six out of every 10 late-stage cancer, people suffering from cancer suffer from profound anorexia mm. that, that contributes to their... Um, demise or waste. Um, yeah, cachexia, I guess, right? Yeah, cachexia is the muscle waste. Anorexia is the appetite uh, appetite uh, loss and weight loss. But uh, if we can if we can return that appetite and have people participate with their families, participate in their drug therapy or biological therapy, and we can help them have a um, a, a functioning body so that their immune can work better, we impact not only on their well-being, but maybe eventually an app increase in longevity. We'll have to wait and see how the, the data bear out on that, but we do know that folks that are able to maintain their weight tend to live longer than suffer. Yeah. Well, in the market, I mean, you have a lot of purveyors, and they're, they're making all kinds of claims. Um, I can see that you're staying in a very different part of the market, you know, more medical side, and the application you're going for is great. You know, the cancer patients definitely need all the help they can get anorexic people. But when you survey, though, the current market and the current claims of products, where else do you see an opportunity to really help people in addition to what you're doing? Well, so that, that's one area with one of, that, with one of our uh, assets, and that's our Tele2713, which we have going into a, a safety lead into a phase two study in cancer anorexia. And, um, and we're very excited about the data there. But we have two other uh, development programs. One of them is a naturally occurring uh, cannabinoid known as CBD. And um, CBD is very attractive for its uh, known uh, anti-anxiety and anti-inflammatory properties. And in fact, 
there is a regulatory pathway that has been paved by GBU Pharmaceuticals because in June of 2018, uh, their, um, their, their C product called Epidiolex was approved for two rare forms of childhood epilepsy. And the only active ingredient in our compound. So there's a lot of reasons to like the. We looked at CD though and said, could we get better? And we believe we have. Uh, address some of the limitations to and have made a more pharmaceutically elegant uh, compound uh, in a solid form. And uh, in fact, we applied for a patent on our improvement. And in March of this year, we received it, the first and only issued patent on a composition of C that gives us protection. We developed this compound December of 2038. And what's important for that is not only do we have a superior uh, a compound, and the FDA will uh, eventually be the arbitrator of whether it's safe and efficacious, more efficacious, but from the elegance that we've built in, we know it's more stable, believe it's going to be in its absorption, and what we've done is we've taken the inherent um, uh, differences in the different shapes of the naturally occurring CD and turned it into a single shape, which delivers that key for us. And, um, and then with a patent-protected compound, we're able to go in and develop it for diseases such as inflammatory bowel disease or for symptoms of, that are uh, associated with PTSD for uh, the anxiety or sleepless that but in contrast to over-the-counter or um, CBD that someone might be able to take, we have made a far more pharmaceutically elegant product that will have more consistent delivery. And in the presence of drug-drug interactions emerging and known through uh, the co-administration with other drugs, we believe we're going to have an edge uh, for physicians to make decisions on giving this product. So we're pretty excited yeah. about right. the pharmaceutical elegance that Artello is leading with uh, our version. Yeah, and you also distance yourself even further from anything that could or could not happen with natural CBD products. Yeah, and, and, and again, we're, we, we believe there's room for, for both. There, there may be some CBD, as people have, uh, have taken, for non-serious or life-threatening conditions uh, over-the-counter, and, and I have family members that, uh, that do that, and I'm supportive of those activities uh, to the extent that their state allows for it, and uh, they and their physician or uh, their, their election, that makes sense. But for serious and life-threatening conditions, um, such as uh, epilepsy or um, schizophrenia or uh, Parkinson's or, or inflammatory bowel disease, PTSD, these are conditions in which there's often a co-administration of another, of another drug, and the pharmaceutical elegance that Artello has, has with our product, I think, plus the consistency and purity and, and that the ability to trust the compound that the FDA has reviewed and saying is safe and efficacious. Yeah. What, um, what clears, you know, once the endocannabinoid binds, what clears it from a receptor and why? You know, that, that's a science question that is above uh, the CEO's uh, pay grade, and I would have to defer to some of the scientists, some of the leading endocannabinoid specialists on our We have a, a professor of uh, cannabinoid research, uh, Dr. Shul Sullivan, came out of the University of Nottingham. We have another Ph.D. scientist, Dr. Andy Yates, that um, got his Ph.D. at the University of Nottingham and is a registered pharmacist in the U.K. These are some of the experts that are advisors. On our, I've never asked them that question, so I can't answer that question for your audience. Okay. Um, but but um, be happy to get back to you on a separate podcast someday. And we should ask them later, and they'll say, who told you that? You know? <laughs> they will, and they'll say that's something you should know, but uh, uh, we stay on the topic of regulated drug development. I think that mm. I can help. No, no, no problem, no problem. 
Well, the reason why I ask is you mentioned um, protein inhibitors. I don't know their role or if that's even relevant, but um, go ahead. Yes, very specifically, um, when anandamide, uh, one of your self-made cannabinoids, um, is, it comes inside of your cell, there is a protein called the fatty acid binding protein, in our case, number five. Your body has nine of them. Uh, number five will chaperone that anandamide saying you don't belong here inside the cell and will take it to a lipase or a hydrolase called fatty acid hydrolase and will, um, and will destroy the anandamide. And so what there was belief that if we can then, um, and the NIH gave about $4 million in research money to uh, Stony Brook University in New York, to help them develop an inhibitor to this fatty acid binding protein 5 so that you would never chaperone that for destruction and thereby allow the accumulation of, of this anandamide in the body to deal with things such as inflammation and pain. And the data look very, very interesting from a clean, preclinical perspective that, uh, that Stony Brook uh, developed on, on the back, again, of, of NA and their own uh, research in initiative. And so that protein inhibitor looks very, very interesting for, um, for helping regulate the body's own endocannabinoid in, in situations of pain. And where we also saw is that this fatty acid binding protein 5 is part of a signaling mechanism uh, for fatty acids that would go to the nuclear receptor and uh, stimulate a, um, a vascular endothelial growth factor that would help in angiogenesis or the formation of new blood vessels and, uh, and the growth, and it stimulates the growth and migration of cancer. And interrupting that signaling mechanism appears to have a very profound effect when in, in, in situations where fatty acid binding protein 5 appears to be upregulated, and that's in breast and prostate cancer. And when we saw that data, either alone or in combination with the standard of care in uh, preclinical research, we said that is the first and highest pri priority of the company uh, to develop in, in a cancer space. And so that's what we've done with that third program. So again, as a full-spectrum company, we have the um, synthetic, uh, rationally designed small molecule that targets as a full agonist the cannabinoid 1, cannabinoid 2 receptors. We have a naturally occurring cannabinoid called cannabidiol that we have made uh, pharmaceutically more elegant, and we believe that eventually uh, that is going to lead to superior data in efficacy and safety in the regulated drug development for important diseases. And then this third, third uh, asset that we have, the fatty acid binding protein 5 inhibitor, Initially, we're developing that as part of the lipid signal uh, for cancer, but uh, it has growth and upside opportunity as an anti-inflammatory uh, and as an anti-pain drug, and we're excited to see where the data will take us with that third app. Yeah, because some of the uses of your products will be for a life-threatening illness, is there a fast track to get approval to get through clinical trials and get that into the market soon? Yeah, there may be, and, and we have not yet applied for that, so I can't say that we have, have fast-track status, but, um, you know, the, these are important um, assets within the company, and we will use every regulatory advantage that we can as we move forward in, in diseases. If, we, if, if that is in rare and orphan diseases, we'll apply for orphan drug status, and if it is in large and major uh, for which we have breakthrough strat status, or fast track, we'll apply for concession. Yeah, maybe eligible for compassionate use or a bunch of fast track options. Just what came to mind. Absolutely, we're ex we're excited about 
about what we uh, what we can uh, accomplish with all three of these. Um, is there any consideration to the effects on men versus women or by age or um, what about the microbiome? I mean, you may not know, but um, because the endocannabinoid system is so pervasive and important in the human body, there's probably a microbiome effect, you know, depending on the state of someone's microbiome. So are you able to look at that or is there just too much to look at and consider even with what you're doing? We have not, we don't have any data to date to suggest that any of our assets work in one gender versus another or, um, or any specific aspects to that. Uh, so, so, for example, um, uh, hormone-driven uh, cancers, for example, with our fatty acid binding protein 5 inhibitor, uh, two come to mind. One is prostate cancer and one is breast cancer. And I know that men can have breast cancer more often than women. And so uh, in both of these hormonally driven cancers, it looks like uh, our drug would be applied uh, depending on what type of... Uh, uh, with respect to CBD, I'm not aware of any uh, specific gender-based uh, um, differences in what the, the drug are, is likely to a treatment effect. Um, there may be, and it's just outside of my knowledge, but um, we haven't seen yeah, I just mention it because I, I never hear of drugs being developed that consider, you know, the hormonal cycle of women or the hormonal status of a person. Or, again, like I said, it appears that the microbiome appears to modulate a lot of conditions. So I guess there's only so much you can consider, but I just wondered if there's any data on that that you're looking at or if not, you know, not. Yeah, well, so like I said, I don't have any uh, specific uh, data on, on, its, on this app of, of one of our drugs applying to female versus male. Okay, and what, what do you think will be the, um, what's to come in the next year or a couple of years? What's the, the product that's nearest completion, nearest approval? Well, in our hands, the, um, the drug for the full agonist to um, the cannabinoid 1 and cannabinoid 2 receptor, that's our, our lead clinical program, and, and that is going through a safety lead-in in 18 people, and then it'll go into a randomized phase 2 study. And then it's just one click away, uh, maybe one or two studies in phase three or pivotal studies uh, to, um, that we could bring to the FDA uh, or EMA in Europe uh, or the MHRA in the UK uh, to seek uh, regulatory approval. So for us, that's the, that's the lead development program. That's the nearest uh, coming to the market. Our earlier stage uh, our programs are preclinical in nature. And we're aiming to, throughout this year and next year, do the rec, uh, regulatory studies so that we can have that um, into the clinic in early 2022 or late 2021, and then it'll go through a normal uh, drug development uh, process. It's too early to tell at this point in time, and to, it would be false precision to offer how many years that may take and whether it would have breakthrough status and what indications and how big the studies are. It just is, is not something that we would understand at this point in time. But uh, generally, that, that process takes anywhere from five to seven years before the drug gets eventually. Yeah, no problem. What's the best way for listeners to keep track of your progress? Well, we do have a, a website, artelobio.com, A-R-T-E-L-O-B-I-O.com. And that's one way to keep track of our progress. We typically keep a current uh, corporate presentation online. There are several videos that uh, have me or one of our uh, scientists explaining uh, our, our, our development programs. 
and um, those videos are available under the media tab for our we are a public company we are on the um, NASDAQ and so um, all of uh, and we're current in all of our filings and so one could look up under the SEC or a convenient link on the investors page of our website to all of our public filings and then uh, that's where people also keep track of the progress very good well Greg thanks for coming on and uh, it sounds like this will be a fantastic suite of products when they're ready so I appreciate you being here. We're excited about this. You know, when I first learned about the endocannabinoid system, one of the things I had to do was weave between, you know, misperceptions and and misinformation on on that that in my research. And it was really nice to see eventually that um, one could really get a clear understanding of the endocannabinoid system that the people now that are associated with developing uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, that's, that's experience is maturing, the data is, is maturing. And I think that if we look towards the future, um, we're going to be talking less about mechanisms and we're going to have these as mainstream opportunities for us. We'll have more product approvals because the pipeline is being filled not only with our compounds but other companies that are of uh, similar focus. And I think that companies like ourselves that are part of the land grab, uh, someone has said, what do you feel like today? I said, I feel like Apple in the mid-80s, and I feel like we're, uh, you know, grabbing intellectual property and that we're at the early stages, but I believe that it's very, very bright for companies like ours that have the vision and can anticipate the and can uh, live and sort of learn from those that have paved the way before us and leapfrog opportunities. So thank you very much, uh, Rich, for the opportunity to share with you. And, um, and uh, again, if anybody wants to learn more about us, it's artellobio.com. We're happy to have that conversation. Materials provided out. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.